Welcome to the Lancet Oncology Podcast. I'm Aaron Van Dorn, speaking to you from the Lancet's New York office. Today I'm speaking with Dr. Harry Baer, Chairman of the Division of Surgical Oncology at Virginia Commonwealth University, regarding his recent study looking into the treatment of breast cancer using bevacizumab in the advigent and neoadvigent setting. Dr. Baer, can you tell us a little about the background of your study? Why was it important to evaluate the role of bevacizumab as both a neoadjuvant and a postoperative setting? The background when we started this study was that bevacizumab had been tested in patients with advanced disease and been shown to improve progression-free survival in women with advanced or metastatic breast cancer. And that led us to believe or wonder whether it might be useful at an earlier stage of disease. And there were a number of trials ongoing uh, looking at bevacizumab and other agents added to neoadjuvant chemotherapy, including trial by the German Breast Group. In terms of how we might expect bevacizumab to be of benefit, it seemed likely to us that a compound that's primary effect was to inhibit the formation of new blood vessels might have the greatest impact on what we call micrometastatic disease, which may be in any other part of the body other than the primary breast tumor. And these micrometastases, Dr. Judah Folkman described almost four decades ago, can only grow to a certain size unless they elicit or stimulate their own new blood supply. That was really how the process of angiogenesis was first applied to cancer models and patients with cancer. So uh, we felt that in addition to possibly having an impact on the primary tumor during chemotherapy by, for example, uh, improving the, the blood supply or the blood vessels to the tumor and improving the delivery of chemotherapy, that the most far-reaching and beneficial effects would be in the adjuvant setting for patients with micrometastatic disease that would appear later. And if we could limit their ability to develop a blood supply, we might delay or even prevent those micrometastases from ever becoming clinically evident. Can you explain the main findings of your study? So the main findings of the study is to, to sort of dispense with the addition of antimetabolites, gemcitabine and capecitabine which had also been shown to improve responses in metastatic disease to taxane-based therapy, they really had no impact, no significant impact on either the pathologic response rate of the primary tumors nor on overall survival. However, the addition of bevacizumab did, in fact, increase pathologic complete response rates, a finding we presented in the New England Journal about three years ago. And in addition, in this study, we found that it did result in an improvement in disease-free survival, although that for the overall group of patients, it was not statistically significant, but it did increase overall survival in the overall group of patients. And particularly, we found, in contrast to some of the other studies that have been done, that this effect was most striking in patients with hormone receptor positive breast cancers. That's part of the paradox of this study because most of the other studies have been done with bevacizumab, either in the adjuvant setting or the neoadjuvant setting, have shown, if any effect, that it was preferentially in patients with triple negative breast cancer and not so much in patients with hormone responsive breast cancer. That's a contradiction that is difficult to reconcile. Speaking of those other trials, how do your results compare to those other recent studies reporting on the addition of bevacizumab to chemotherapy and for patients with breast cancer? Right. So, again, probably 
one of the larger studies was the German uh, breast group study, the Jeparquinto study. They initially reported a beneficial effect of adding bevacizumab, particularly for triple negative breast cancers, but ultimately in the long run did not show any impact on any subset of patients uh, in terms of disease-free or overall survival. Number of other trials, the Artemis trial, SWOG 0800 trial, CALGB 40603 trials, also were neoadjuvant studies showing the greatest effect on pathological complete response in triple negative breast cancers or patients with ER low cancers. There have also been some adjuvant trials, in particular the ECOG 5103, the Beatrice trial, and the Beth trial. Beth trial was in a different group of patients that did not show any benefit in terms of disease-free or overall survival. So this is certainly contradictory, but as I pointed out, as we pointed out in the paper, the B40 trial is the only one of all of these trials that in which the bevacizumab was administered both in the neoadjuvant setting and in the postoperative adjuvant setting, which may be critically important because of the different mechanisms that may be involved in the potentially beneficial effects in those two settings. So it seemed unlikely to us, and this is why we designed the study the way we did, that just giving it six doses in the neoadjuvant setting would have a much of an impact on disease-free survival and overall survival, even though this primary endpoint of the study was the pathologic response in the primary tumor. And we felt if we were to see an effect on survival, we'd have to prolong the administration of bevacizumab beyond the time of surgery to, to what one might say, starve the micrometastases of nutrients and oxygen by shutting down their blood supply. What would you say were the main limitations of your study? Well, I think by virtue of the fact that we tried to answer several different questions in one study, including the, you know, adding gemcitabine and capecitabine, as well as the bevacizumab question in a three-by-two design, we ended up with probably smaller samples in each of the different groups than would be ideal, particularly to look at the long-term survival and disease-free survival endpoints. I will say that one of the, as long as we're on the question of limitations, probably one of the greatest strengths of our study, which we haven't taken advantage of yet, is that all of the patients were required to have tumor tissue obtained specifically for research purposes and submitted prior to starting on the study, which means we have a repository of fairly high, should be what we hope will be high quality samples of tumor tissue from all roughly 1,200 of these patients that we may be able to use to find a marker or a predictive profile of those patients that are most likely to benefit from adding bevacizumab. Can you comment on why only half of all patients completed postoperative bevacizumab? So a number of patients may have stopped the bevacizumab preoperatively. About a quarter did not start postoperative bevacizumab, and, and the reasons were either adverse events, things like hypertension, cardiac effects. We were obviously monitoring adverse events from the therapy very closely. And then a number of the patients who started post-op bevacizumab stopped again because of adverse events, changes of therapy, progression of disease, and a variety. And uh, unfortunately, a lot of them were classified as other, so we don't know exactly why they uh, stopped. In light of B40's results, what other clinical trials can be done to evaluate the role of bevacizumab plus chemotherapy in early-stage disease? You know, again, referring back to the tumor tissue that we collected on this trial, it would be very helpful if we could identify a profile or a marker or a set of markers 
that selects out patients who derive the greatest benefit from bevacizumab, then it would be reasonable to do a confirmatory trial in a better selected group of patients who carry the, whose tumors or, or patients have the profile that is most benefited by bevacizumab. I think the other clue, and this was really hypothesis generating and not really a definitive finding, there was a suggestion that in patients who had hormone-responsive tumors that did not have a pathologic complete response to chemotherapy and bevacizumab preoperatively, those patients appeared to benefit the most from the addition of the adjuvant bevacizumab, so in terms of survival. So that's a group of patients that may have the greatest benefit. Uh, again, that's, that's exploratory and certainly not definitive, but a trial that was designed around that concept, in other words, selecting patients who had an incomplete or poor response to neoadjuvant chemotherapy and then testing the, whether the addition of, of adjuvant bevacizumab would be particularly beneficial for those patients. One might expect that those would be, in terms of intrinsic subtype, might be luminal B-type breast cancers which are hormone responsive to some extent, have a poor prognosis, and don't respond all that well to chemotherapy either. Of course, again, that would be something we could parse out with the tumor tissue we've collected from these patients, hopefully. Do you think more clinical trials can be done in this setting with bevacizumab? Yeah, that's something we've discussed at a number of our conferences and workshops. I mean, I think it would be nice to be able to do that. Again, as I mentioned, if, if we were to identify a fairly convincing marker or marker profile that showed us which patients were most likely to benefit, I think it, we could probably get some interest in a trial. I think part of the problem with another trial in this setting or any setting for breast cancer at this point is, first of all, the contradictory results from other trials, which are sort of certainly overwhelmed our trial, although people are interested in doing a meta-analysis of these data with the other trials. And I think the, the other limiting factor is, uh, it's my understanding, that the patent it does not have that long to go, which probably limits interest in supporting such a trial from industry. Dr. Bear, is there anything else our listeners should know about your study? As I said earlier, it certainly contrasts somewhat with the other studies, which is certainly provocative. On the other hand, it has the unique the most unique feature of this trial was the fact that it was started in the neoadjuvant setting and then continued, the bevacizumab was continued in the adjuvant setting where the mechanisms of benefit might be quite different from giving just neoadjuvant or just adjuvant bevacizumab alone, which was how all the other trials have been done. Well, Dr. Bear, thank you for taking the time to speak with us today. Oh, it's my pleasure.